Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Um, before, can I share um, that, a word of encouragement that yeah. Trish gave me this morning? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was so, so good. She said, if I go on for more than 20 or 25 minutes, just start writing your shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> 15, I thought we'd say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good morning. This morning we've been tasked with talking about um, being an inclusive community and asking the question, what does an acute inclusive community look like? Um, you know, really, this is a bit like Jeremy Corbyn knocking on the door at number 10 and taking a big bunch of flowers to the uh, Prime Minister. Yeah, our, our, our challenge starts when we... Um, Start, when we turn our attention, we start looking at the social issues that we face today. And it's not just the, the victims of those social issues that we need to consider, but it's the perpetrators as well. Because God's endless love and transforming grace is open to all. Yeah, so what is our response today? What is our response as a, a church to a dysfunctional and sometimes ugly world as a gospel people? You know, there, there are no easy answers, and, and sometimes the choices that we face are not simply between right and wrong, but perhaps between the lesser of two evils. It's no surprise, then, that the Christians so often disagree over an appropriate response to these issues. And I'm sure that some of you may well disagree with some of the views I'm expressing today. <laughs> but I've got a get out clause today. I've got a, a get, out, uh, get out of jail card. My get out of jail card is from the Gospel of John. It says, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We're, we're, we're thinking about an inclusive community, what it looks like, as a Christian response to sometimes that dysfunctional and ugly world. Yeah, so how to attack such a, a, a thorny subject? Okay, so we're, we're, the plan A, plan, plan A is we're going to start looking at the response of Jesus in his world, the response of Paul in his world, and then finally about the response of the gospel people in our world today. And, and we'll also include some thoughts about grace. Is it on? Well, we won't sing such thoughts there. Is it on now? Oh, yeah. Technology. There you go. I can see it. So, how, how are we going to attack the, um, such a subject? Consider the response of Jesus, the response of Paul, and the response of the church today. Um, and, and also, in, in the mix, we're going to look a, a bit about God's grace and the kingdom of God, because they're all connected, they're all interrelated. A short story to give some direction in the way we're thinking this morning. It's supposed to be funny. It is totally and 100% politically incorrect and probably very inappropriate for a Sunday morning service, but I'm going to tell it anyhow. A woman gets on a city bus up in Saltash with her baby, 
as she gets on and pays her ticket, the bus driver says to her, oh, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. And obviously the woman was suitably um, upset and distraught and, and walks to the rear of the bus, absolutely fuming, sits down and says to the guy next to her, that bus driver is so, so rude. He's so insulted me. And the man said, hey, hey mate, I, I heard that. You want to go up and tell him off? You want, you want you go, go, no, you go tell him, I'll hold your monkey for you. <laughs> okay, but being inclusive, it's looking beyond the ugly and the dysfunctional in the world and seeing the beauty and the wonder of God's creation as God himself would look upon it. It means looking at upon all those human things that mar and blemish with love, with sympathy, and a generosity of spirit in the knowledge that God can change. He has the power to restore and to transform. Perhaps it means that we have to change our own perspective and see and, and how we see the world ourselves. But let's start um, by considering the world of Jesus and his response in his day. The, the, the world of Jesus, you know, we, we try to sanitize it a bit, but the world of Jesus was cruel, brutal, dysfunctional, ugly. It was a world of disease, of poverty and crime, of brutality and political and social oppression, a world of slavery, a world where women had no rights. And indeed, it was a world where there were no human rights except for the, those who had the, um, uh, the privileged and the rich. It was a world of sexual per perversion, a sexual, um, a, a licentious world, sexual diversity, orgies, prostitution, a world that marginalized and excluded. And God entered that dysfunctional and ugly world as the man Jesus in order to restore it to himself and bring in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus went to the in crowd the Jews and the religious leaders of the day. But he also went to the out crowd. Um, the out crowd, of course, included all those not in the in crowd. That's a bit convoluted, I know. But <laughs> and he spoke of the coming kingdom of heaven, coming kingdom of God, and how everybody could know God in heaven, Father in heaven, and experience the blessings and riches of God's kingdom. He went to the sick, he went to the diseased, the outcast, the marginalized, and excluded. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, helped the needy, offered hope, dignity, and human worth. He forgave sin, and he changed and transformed lives. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. We're heading very quickly this morning into the idea of grace. God's freely given, unconditional, loving kindness to everyone. Grace, two things to think about, just a couple of thoughts. But God himself initiates every loving relationship with himself through Jesus. God initiates it. Remember, when we're talking about a relationship with our Father in heaven, 
it's God who gets the ball rolling. He starts off that relationship by unconditionally offering his love. Second thing to think about, Jesus went out to everybody. The in crowd, the out crowd, the nice, the not so nice. He went to tax collectors, prostitutes, the unacceptable and the, pe- the unacceptable people of his day. And his message was, come to me, guys, come to me, just as you are. Let's pick up on that, that first thought um, uh, uh, first. Now, it is our Father in heaven who always takes the initiative. Yeah, this is a constant theme that throws through the Bible like a river. Yeah, there's lots of examples that we, we could um, use, but let's just jump into the New Testament and, and with one of the parables of Jesus. Is that okay? One of the parables. The parable of the prodigal son. You know, this parable is great. It highlights the unchanging, forgiving nature of a father who takes the initiative in restoring that which was lost to him. Okay, I, I hope you are familiar with the parable because... I would like to paraphrase it and give, give it a, a little bit of a contemporary twist. That's okay. So, the parable of the prodigal son as requir- recorded in the Saltash archives. A businessman in Saltash had two sons. The younger son was a bit of a tearaway, whilst the elder was a bit self-righteous, somewhat like the Pharisees of old. Anyhow, the younger son said he wanted to take his share of the company profits and take a gap year, or two, or three, or four. Okay, after a bit of a family dispute, the younger son got his way and headed up into the big smoke where he engaged in a riotous party um, uh, lifestyle with quite a few drugs on the side. Okay, he fell in love with another man and they entered into a gay relationship. Okay, you guessed it, the the money ran out and the pair of them ended up on the street sleeping rough. But the younger son, he remembered the generosity, the love and the kindness, the goodness of his father and decided that they would be better off going home and and begging for a couple of jobs and being allowed to work as the lowest paid cleaners and sweepers in the company business, in the family business. So the pair managed to save enough money from their begging and they bought a train ticket home. So off they went up to the station and they bought their train ticket to Saltash. Well, in this day of instant communication, the father got to hear of their son's return and, and very, very quickly and in even the train's arrival time. He even got to know which platform it was coming on. That's not really very hard because there's not very many platforms on Saltash stations, sir. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to leave the story there and leave you to finish it. You can write the end how you see that happening. Because I'm going to move on and start looking at what the Apostle Paul had to say. So you think about how that story ended. We we, we started thinking this morning of, of an inclusive community. And then we moved quite quickly onwards um, to think about the Father's unconditional love in an ugly world and seeing the beauty and the wonder of God's creation and uh, is our response to a gospel sorry let's start again we, we, we moved quickly on we, we were thinking about God's loving kindness and, 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 
um, generously giving, God's grace and mercy. So we're, we're thinking about um, an inclusive community and God's grace. That's okay, we're on track. These two things go together. They're part and parcel um, of the same thing. Being inclusive and God's grace and mercy go together. Being inclusive, that is looking beyond the dysfunctional and ugly in the world today and seeing the beauty and wonder of God's creation, is our response as a gospel people to God's amazing love. We love because he first loved us. So let's pick up on that second thought I mentioned earlier. Jesus went to everyone. The in crowd, the out crowd, the nice and the not so nice, etc., etc. So, what did the Apostle Paul write? What did he say? He says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The, the same Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him. Paul is known as the Apostle to the Gentiles. And, and, and he grasps this fundamental understanding that God's grace is open to everyone, regardless of who we are or what we've done. He understood that God's unconditional loving kindness, mercy, and forgiveness is re received through faith in Jesus. Put this another way the essence of Paul's message is that God has no favorites. Our Father God recognizes the human worth of every single person on this planet. The invitation to participate in the kingdom of God is open to all now, today. Hey, this is the day of the Lord's favor. And of course, we can respond to that invitation through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, uh, you say open to everyone. <laughs> what did Paul really mean? What about those not-so-nice not people? The people who do things in our world that we personally don't like. The things that are against our Christian principles. All oh, that Mr. and Mrs. Down the Road, you want to see what they're, ooh, what see they're up to? And that lad. We do need to have some rules and regulations or conditions, do we? Do we have need to have these in place to ensure that these people meet what we believe to be Christian standards? And the, Paul, the Apostle Paul answers no. You don't need rules and regulations because God's law, God's law is written upon your heart. It's within you. He said the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. You know, I, I, do, I do love the way that Paul describes God's word as being in the mouth and, and, and in the heart, sort of in the head and in the heart. And, and he's sort of linking our hearts and our head, the way we feel and the way we, 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 we think, bringing them together. In, in our physical bodies, you know, we've got 18, about 18 inches apart, heart and, and head. In, in our humanity, these things can be miles apart. What we feel and experience and what we think and do can be so different. In these few words, Paul is saying that it is the work of Christ in you to bring your hearts and your minds 
together. He's linking our hearts and minds and bringing them together. And then he's linking them with the purposes of God so that our hearts and minds reflect the heart and mind of our Father in heaven. You see, Jesus was totally in tune with our Father God. He was completely in harmony with God's purposes and fully at one with the will of God. And being in union with Christ Jesus means that by the power of his Spirit in, hi in him, his power of his Spirit in you, you can, experience that, you can experience that same harmony with God. This indeed is the transforming work of Jesus. It changes the way you think and act and respond to all those issues that we come face to face with in our daily lives. Rather than see the world we live in through our humanity, we can start to see it through the eyes of God and respond with the heart of our Father. Transformed lives. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Transformed lives. A demonstration of a righteousness that comes from God, not by means of a set of rules or regulations written on paper, but by God's values being written upon our hearts or embedded into our very being, into our very identity, determining the way we think and act. When we talk of a, a Christian's faith in Jesus, we're talking about the sort of faith that is revealed in transformed lives. Lives that are visibly different in the world that we live in. Transformed lives that evidence the presence of God working out his purposes in our world. Transformed lives that demonstrate the present reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Transformation. This, this is kingdom talk. No wonder Paul makes this observation. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's a lovely, lovely phrase, isn't it? How beautiful are those who not only proclaim God's good news of Jesus, that which we refer to as the gospel, but also act out the gospel and, and who are themselves are a visible demonstration of the gospel. Being the visible evidence of Jesus in our world today These words of Paul make me think, sorry, it's a funny way my mind works, but these Paul's, what, words of Paul make me think of the start of a, a major football match or a rugby match. Yeah, you've got all the razzmatazz at the start, the cheerleaders, the crowd singing, the fireworks going up or the firework effects going up when the um, players come in, the national anthems, the build-up and anticipation of the crowds of, of spectators who are waiting for this in great expectation because something going to happen, something is going to be absolutely spectacular. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the sort of excitement and anticipation that surrounds the gospel message. It's the anticipation of God working in a spectacular way. So, does this start to answer the question, what does it look like to be um, uh, an inclusive community. What makes us an inclusive community? So, thinking then on the 
response of our Christians in our world today. When we think inclusive, our thinking leans, leans towards, come in, come in, you're welcome, you're invited in. Come in and join our group. Come in and be part of the in crowd. And, and indeed, you know, hey, this is so important in our life as a church. But we need to sound a note of caution because no sooner than we invite someone to join our group, our church, we expect them to abide by the rules and regulations that we set. The invitation comes conditional. Do you see where this is heading? You know, you know, you're, you're welcoming into our church community. You're welcome. Come on in, providing you abide by a determined set of lifestyle criteria that we set. The movement in is conditional. Conversely, when we consider the teaching of Jesus and the understanding of the Apostle Paul, the movement is outwards. Going out into a hurting world with a message of peace, justice, unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. Going out and finding people just where they are and, and just who they are. You know, the, the movement of outward mission is unconditional. But there's a dynamic here. There's a dynamic of going in, sorry, coming in in order to go out. There's a dynamic of being drawn in in order to send out. And that dynamic requires first being filled with God's love for the lost and hurting, the dysfunctional and the ugly. And then going out into the world, into that hurting world, with a message of transforming love and inclusion into God's kingdom. You see, inclusion is not just about being a member of a church community, but it's also being about being welcomed and belonging to the kingdom of God. And an inclusive community must be able to hold this tension together of going, um, coming in and going out. That conditional inward invitation must be welcome, must be balanced with the unconditional outward movement into the kingdom of God. Bit of a dilemma sometimes because, you know, as a church we can go out um, and, and um, you know, preach an unconditional love into the community and then invite them into the church where we're putting conditions upon them. Being an inclusive community is not being about being welcoming and others, uh, welcoming other, inviting others to come to a church community. As important that is, an inclusive community is about the gospel people going out into a hurting and sometimes dysfunctional and ugly word, world with the message of transforming love and inclusion into God's kingdom. Inclusion is not about being a member of a church community is also, and probably predominantly, about being welcomed into 
and becoming a member and belonging to the kingdom of God. An inclusive community must be able to hold this tension together, um, that, that invitation in, in balance with the unconditional outward movement. The songwriter Tim Hughes in his song God of Justice, I think sort of captures this thought. The, the chorus is, fill us up and send us out, fill us up, send us out. God is justice, saviour to all. Come to rescue the weak and the poor. Come to serve, not to be served. And Jesus, you have called us. Freely we've received. Nay, freely we will give. We must go live to feed the hungry. Stand beside the broken. We must go. Stepping forward, keep us from singing. Move us into action. We must go. Fill us up and send us out. Do you, do you get the sort of idea of, of that? That, that tension. So a starter for 10, thought for today. An inclusive community, perhaps. A gospel community going out into the world as a vehicle that God uses to accomplish his mission to establish the kingdom of God in all the world. The Christian gospel is perhaps less about salvation from sin and a ticket to heaven, and perhaps more about participating in the kingdom of God and experiencing the rich blessings of God in our lives today. Did you get what I'm saying? We, we, we tend to preach a, a ticket to heaven, preach you know, forgiveness of sin and, and, and leave it there. Perhaps we should be thinking more about going out with the good news of the kingdom of God. So we need to wrap this up. How are we doing for time, Tim? Yeah, if, if I, are you starting writing your shopping list yet? Five minutes, okay. We're, we're, on, we're, on, we're on track, we're good. Okay, we started about thinking about being inclusive. And we brought in some thoughts about God's grace and we talked a bit about the kingdom of God and God's purpose or mission to establish his kingdom in all the earth. We've got a couple of minutes. I'd like to finish... Um, with a, a, a sort of testimony, a story about Colin. Colin is a very good friend of Trish and myself. And I think the, um, his testimony, I think this story sort of gets together some of the, the little points that we've been trying to think about this morning. Colin, um, Colin was a drug addict big-time drug addict. You know, he was really on the hard stuff. Um, he spent more time in prison, perhaps, than out of it. Uh, I think he believes, it, I think he said um, he was his guest at um, uh, somewhere like about 27 of um, Her Majesty's um, hotels. And um, he became a Christian. I believe he became a Christian in prison, and uh, when he came out, um, there were some local Christians in, down in the Southampton area, local Christians, Christian leaders, who actually uh, put their arms around him, as it were, metaphorically, and, and, and supported him and helped him and helped him. Took his Christian declaration of faith, uh, faith at face value. They, they just believed, you know, and, and they supported this guy. Um, I think sort of let a little bit of water go under the bridge and we sort of pick up the story and it's more of Trish's story than, than, than mine. But Trish met Colin 
um, they were going out to the Ukraine um, to, uh, to look at providing humanitarian support, humanitarian aid into um, uh, the, um, where the babies live. What do they call them? Yeah, the um, orphanages, that's it. And, and they were in a dreadful condition then. Um, but they, they, they had a very early um, morning flight, so they, um, the team went the night before, overnighted, were, had the hospitality of um, a local church outside of Heathrow. Uh, and, and Colin was left with all the baggage and the luggage and things that were in the church hall. Now, Colin, um, lovely, lovely guy, but if you're looking for a rogue, he looks the piece. Yeah, you've got tattoos everywhere. And, and I think Trisha's reaction, and I say it's her story, but Trisha's reaction, who's this guy? Who's this guy with, even in, with all our baggage? Uh, things got worse, because the next day, um, traveling out to Ukraine, Trish found herself sitting next to this rogue. <laughs> uh, and even worse, they uh, are handed over thousands and thousands of, pounds, uh, of, of dollars that were taking out to do rem uh, remedial works in, in Ukraine. And it was Trish and Colin's job to sort all this money out into sort of piles of thousands, two, three, four, five thousand dollars, whatever it was, into envelopes to give to each member of the team to take into the Ukraine. And, and I think, I believe Trish's reaction was, you're going to trust this guy with money? But by the time they got to um, Ukraine, I think, uh, I, I believe they were the best of friends, and they, we, we have been ever since. But Colin, again, water under the bridge, a little bit moving on. Colin then um, uh, went to uh, Bible College, Moreland's Christchurch up in Bournemouth. He got a degree in um, theology. Went to South Africa met a lovely South African girl, married her and the pair of them, Colin and Dee. They have two absolutely gorgeous children, lovely children. Then they um, took a step of faith and Colin opened up a, uh, set up a drug and alcohol rehab uh, centre in South Africa, uh, Storms River. Uh, a Christian man, of course, um, needless to say, and that rehab center has been running for now for many, many years, very, very successfully. And, and I think Colin will tell you that it's not what they do necessarily in the rehab center, though that is helped and, 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 and that is so important. But the transformation of many of the people who come there is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a transform transformation that Christ makes in them. So I, I think the story tells us it's not what we do that matters. It's what God is doing through us. And this is all about God. Yeah, I think the story you know, indicates some acceptance, you know, captures that inward and outward movement of taking, bringing the gospel in, being filled up and taking it out again. Lives transformed. But it's all about God. Have we answered the question, 
what does it mean to be an exclusive community? What does an exclusive community look like? And I don't think perhaps we have. But that's okay. Because, you see, if we are to become, if we're looking to move into being an inclusive community, then we are embarking on a journey, a journey of discovery, of discovery of our true identity in Christ and discovering much, much more of God's love. In, in God's kingdom, it doesn't matter where we have come from, and in belonging to God's kingdom, we know where we're going. What is exciting is the journey that we're on. Now, this is all about God, God manifesting a visible manifestation of his love in a hurting world. I need to draw it to a close, and, and I think the best way that we can draw it to a close, I'd, I'd like to read a prayer to you. It's from the letter to the Ephesians. And, 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 and I say, it's all about God. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen? Thank you.